0: Welcome back. How was it? Give everybody a nice lowdown.
1: First time, long time, right? That's what um, they always say. <laughs> no, I mean it was great. I mean not to be away from you, poops and not to be away from talking hockey. That was one of the things I missed the most. But yeah, I was in Greece for just under a month. I went to I was in Athens, went to Paros, Crete, Naxos, the islands and ended up back in Athens for a couple of nights before coming home, but it was very enjoyable to leave the work laptop at home, turn off notifications from all the work apps, block all my colleagues and bosses on my texting app, and then just wake up and not have to worry about anything. So Very relaxing. It was a good time. Further cemented that your boy's going to be living there at some point. um, Some point soon. Uh, But no, it's Good to be back and just in time for this new season to kick off. So very happy that I didn't miss the end of preseason, didn't miss the opportunity to make predictions before the season starts, and here in time for opening night to hopefully see uh, a healthy Ryan Reeves kick the absolute living shit out of Tom Wilson.
0: Well, I guess we'll jump right into it since you said the magic (laughs) guy. Ryan Reeves this week, preseason game in – Typical, at least in my opinion, P.K. Subban. Slew foot, kind of takes him out from behind there. I personally didn't like it. I know that Gerard Gallant came out after the game and says he doesn't believe P.K. Subban is trying to do that to him right there. I just don't like P.K.'s personal track record on it. Yeah. Um, With that being said, at least Revo is not a very serious day-to-day, which is nice. Now you go into it in... Chris Kreider at first tries to fight PK. At first he doesn't do it, and then they have the fight after, and PK kind of ran into him and kind of runs down to the ice because I, I yeah, mean, pulls him down for like a hugging match. Yeah, like listen, PK is not a fighter. I get that, but but at the same time, like we saw him last year on miked up with uh, behind the B and the Bruins, and he had the same thing with Trent Frederick, and he ends up slew footing Frederick, gets a penalty. Frederick, you can hear him saying, nice slew foot, buddy. And, you know, I think one thing P.K. Subian has perfected is that little slew foot coming into the corner oh. behind guys and kind of nicking them accordingly. Um,
1: I mean, how many times
0: did he do that just against the
1: Bruins when he was on Montreal?
0: Oh, Jesus, plenty. Fuck it. Every time the puck went into the corner, and it was one of those things where I don't want to, you know, due to divisions in – the way of you know certain people uh approach the puck but it seems as always pk is never going to be the guy who's going to take the hit to make a play in there first he he will always be the guy who will kind of let you go in there and then he'll do it and it it seems like he has perfected this perfect kick to the back of your inside foot so your outside foot's kind of already going one way you're trying to divert you know maybe you're trying to fake him and go left and then go right and he's going after your other leg and by the time you try to come back around it's gone and now uh, yet again it seems like he's perfected it but i think this is something now that the lead needs to look into in the sense of every time you go into a corner if there's a guy going there and they're falling and, and pk's there i mean there's one constant and if it's pk suban it's pk suban so yeah. i just think the league needs to watch it a little bit better and It's something he's got away with a lot throughout the years.
1: And the thing, he gets away with it from the league, and also by not dropping the gloves, he gets away from any retribution from the other team, and he also puts his teammates at risk because if he's not going to go and the team's pissed off enough, they're going to find somebody to go with. So, I mean, the thing with the specific scenario of Reeves, he didn't kick necessarily necessarily. And Galant's not going to come out and say in a preseason against a division rival and sort of war words and bring attention like Pete DeVore or Sean Tortorella. He's just not going to do that at this point. But he played in a league. He was a grinder. You know what you're doing with your feet at all time. And Subban, like you said, he does this thing where he doesn't need to kick anymore. He doesn't need to do a kicking motion. He knows he, how to take the body angle by coming into the boards behind you, that he needs to have his upper body just to the right side of your inside shoulder. And then that means he can look like he's skating normally, but he keeps that left skate or that right skate, depending on which side's in your inside shoulder, just hanging there, dangling there, knowing that eventually you're going to stop. And then his skate, by momentum, is going to clip your leg or foot And slew foot you. That's what he's perfected. So Uh, you'll never see him, you'll never see him come in there and slew foot, like kick out the leg from underneath you, or you'll never see him skate on skate and then just push it out from underneath you. He just holds it there and lets you do the dirty work and then he can claim ignorance like, oh, I wasn't trying anything. Look, I wasn't even kicking him. He just happened to fall. Like you said about Reeves, we happen to get tangled up. Fuck you. Yeah. It's like he yeah. Ryan Reeves up. is
0: a big man. It's hard for him to just ironically fall. At least yeah, that
1: was, a, that was yeah. a really twisted fall, too. Like I'm surprised he didn't tear an ACL or break an ankle.
0: Well, I'll say, is a big guy. Like that. Yeah. That's very hard for him not to do.
1: So, And wrong guy to do it to, to be honest, because the Rangers and Devils play a bunch in the regular season, and Reeves is day-to-day, so you know... There's going to be a time at some point this season where the puck's going to be dumped in and Reeves is on the ice and Subban's on the ice and Reeves is not even going to pay attention to the puck.
0: I was going to say, he's going to be hunting.
1: Yeah, so that's going to lead to a line brawl, potentially suspension for Reeves or whatever, but at this point, the Rangers can afford to lose Reeves for a game here and there to suspension or whatever because we have plenty of depth for the fourth line. But Subban picked the wrong fucking guy, man. I don't know what he was thinking.
0: Uh, we'll see where how everything happens there. Uh, I was gonna say, I mean, like you said, it's preseason already. Igniting the fire pretty good there.
1: Yeah, and you saw the uh, flames and jets last night and the night before. A couple line scrums, some fights, pretty nasty. I'm assuming it might be a little bit of a, a residual residual layover from last year's. Uh, division-only schedule where you played each other 10 times, so there's probably still some bad blood that has been resolved yet.
0: I was going to say, I wonder, uh, just speaking of bad blood, if we end up seeing uh, the Canadians and the Jets uh, some unfinished business after last year with that hit by Shifley.
1: Yeah, I, I, I feel like Montreal has gone through so much. Like They lost Weber, which is was like a gut punch for morale for the season. Say, that's now- a
0: huge hole for them.
1: Yeah, now Price, even though he'll be back early on in the season, I feel like the the mindset and the attention for the team in a room has shifted from a normal start to the hockey year to kind of just being together as a team. So I'm not saying that won't happen when they play Winnipeg, but I feel like, especially with some of the turnover that they've had in the off season, that it might not be as almost automatic as you would normally think.
0: Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm extremely curious how all this is going to finally play out from last year to this year, kind of, you know, going back to the original divisions as opposed to the COVID divisions from last year. So we'll yeah. see if there's
1: anything that lingers. Um, And I know, so this episode, we're going to be doing our divisional predictions. We're not going to be doing a massive team-by-team team preview necessarily, uh, but before we get into that, I know we wanted to talk about a couple of things. Uh, Evander Kane and his whole off-the-ice bullshit that's still going on now. Uh, We want to talk about Eichel, some Robin Leonard stuff that came up. So I don't know uh, which one you want to tackle first.
0: You lay it on me, big boy, and we'll go from
1: there. All right, let's get Kane out of the way because let's let's treat the Evander Kane topic like the San Jose Sharks are going to be treating Evander Kane. Let's just get through it and move on.
0: All right, Uh, Evander Kane. Uh, wife comes through with the allegations that he bet on hockey. False. All right, uh, false. I mean, I, I think even if he did, that's something that's hard to prove. Uh, hockey is a team game; it's not a tennis or a golf or baseball where you can just swing wildly at everything and go out
1: there and intentionally strike out or or even betting on other teams. Like maybe Kane was just really careful, like and didn't have anything written down or no texts or emails phone calls like maybe it was done face to face and that's why there's no kind of paper trail that Lee could look at and go who's this person who's that person connected to oh so you were talking to this person who's a known gambler or loan shark and then connected dots so there was no evidence of it that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't just incredibly smart and got away with it
0: yeah and the other part too was all the stuff she brought up of don't tell me the team doesn't know due to uh, you know, the the gag gifts that players get each other every Christmas of, you know, gambling for dummies 101 or what, like <laughs> the, the guy has been even since he was in Winnipeg in Atlanta, he's always had issues off the ice with gambling. There, there's that notorious yep. photo of him in Vegas calling out Floyd Maidweather as he has whatever it is, 20 grand in each one of his ears and he's in Vegas like I think there's one thing, one place this kid will never get picked up to, and it'll definitely be Vegas. They'll never fucking take him there. But, or New um, York. Oh, He's just... there. There's too many question marks with him. And then we go to the next part of it of the actual wife saga of he has now left her no money, uh, he was in Europe the whole summer, yada, yada, yada. Ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. Him and also a the, player,
1: vac- the big vaccination card.
0: And then the fake vaccination card, like, I I honestly don't know what the hell San Jose does with this guy, because I don't think anybody wants him. I I do think he is a great player in this league. He he had had, because I think it's now past tense, of superstar potential, because now no matter where he goes, he will always be tainted by this. I don't think there's any way he can clean up all of it. There'd be one thing if it was one allegation, but for how hot he stayed this summer, like... Stay yeah, hot, Caner. Like, much.
1: killing it. And with the fa- fake vaccination cards, so the NHL and Batman since the beginning of this entire pandemic, has taken the COVID regulations extremely seriously. And you've seen it in other sports where there's been broken protocols and not so much discipline handed out. You really haven't seen that in the NHL. And that's a credit to the guys as well, the individual players for the most part. But I feel like the league has set the tone. If, it come, if it's proven that he used a fake vaccination card and then started attending training camp and being around the guys who vaccinated to get around the COVID regulations that the league implemented and the state of California implemented, they're going to suspend it for the year. Like, they're going to come down hard on him to set the precedent and also for future precedent of forging legal documents, essentially. Like that's literally people getting prosecuted for that and serving jail, actual jail time around the country and in California for forging these documents. So if it is true, he's going to get suspended indefinitely because he's also going to be facing charges. Like, a guy like him he will probably get community service and a fine. But the league, like, Bettman always says, the play this league is a privilege, not a right. So he, they can take that from him whenever the fuck they want. And if the, he gets suspended for the year and he's in all this legal trouble, the Sharks, because... I was reading the local papers. They have an out clause in his contract built in when they signed him to that extension. So they can void that contract whenever they want. If he's caught in any legal, basically the layman's terms, any legal trouble that's documented and proven. So if he gets convicted, they're out of that money. Contract's voided.
0: And at this point for San Jose, that could be one of the best things that ever happened to him.
1: Yeah. I mean, so you get out of that deal.
0: That'd be perfect for them to start over.
1: Yeah. So he would... I'm assuming that's going to happen because, like I said earlier, where Kane, maybe he was smart and didn't. Kane's an idiot. So I don't believe that he was smart enough to avoid getting caught. I think it just wasn't a true accusation. But if he gets bought out or his contract is voided, uh, Hurdle's a free agent, and I know he's still a good guy, but he's going to leave because San Jose can't afford to sign him to a long-term deal with the way the cap is. Coach sure, still has value around the league. You might have to eat a little bit of money. You finally got rid of Jones, and then you're finally down to basically Carlson and Vlasic. And Brent Burns isn't who he used to be, but he only has like two years left in his deal, I think. So, like, that's manageable. And then apart. you're down to just two bad contracts. And Carlson, they're going to have to buy that out and eat that money, baby. Like, that's a poison pill right there. But there's some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the bad contracts over the next, I would say, two years in San Jose. But I feel like that's going to be a very long rebuild because their farm system was gutted to stay in contention. They been drafting late in the first round for a decade, and with the cap situation, their pro, their NHL level is going to be basically in ruins for like five years. So they had a long, very sustained good run. It's a shame they never got over the hump and won a Stanley Cup. But the Grim Reaper comes from every, for everybody in the cap league. So
0: yeah, I mean, t- just looking at San Jose. Four years left on that Burns deal at eight. Four years. Uh, Vlasic was Ugh. five years left on his at seven.
1: That, um, Vlasic deal was another one that you and I, when they signed him, I said they were like, "Why are you giving that to Vlasic? I know he was good for a while, but he's still one dimensional, and now they're eating it."
0: Oh yeah, and I mean like he's thirty four now. Uh, another five years that brings him to thirty nine.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't know. If I don't get it.
0: Sign a guy for that long at that much amount of money, and then you look at their goaltending situation. And they got James Reimer in there as their one A.
1: Yeah, I mean Aiden Hill has some potential, but I don't think anybody's expecting him to turn into a franchise goalie. No, they are. They are in for
0: a world to hurt. Uh, like I said, I've always respected as to how long Doug Wilson kept that team in contention for. And you know, there was certain. I think he parts, needs to go, man. I I have to agree. I know at certain parts throughout the late '90s and two thousand, you know, early two thousands where. He was bringing in the talent. Uh, they had chances at going to the cup, and they they never kind of made that complete and utter jump. And I mean, you'd think after they got away from Thornton and from Marlowe, they would know to look at these things. And be like, all right, well, guys have kind of gotten a little bit older. We, you know, we should stop with these long term extensions.
1: But like that is not the, Carl- the Carlson and Vlasic ones are the killer ones. Like, if they didn't have those two in a books, and you're looking at Couture, who still has value around the league, and Burns, who four years is a long time, but I feel like if he ends up being a third-pair right-hand shot power play specialist in the last year or two of that deal, yeah, it's such a pain, a guy like that 8.5 mil, but it's still somewhat value on the ice. not getting shit from Vlasic or Carlson, no matter how many haircuts Carlson gets.
0: No, I was going to say the Carlson thing, I think... The injuries are noted as to how bad his groins are now throughout the years. Yeah. Uh, his output level has definitely declined immensely. I mean, from what he used to give out, I'd say he's probably about 50% of that now.
1: Uh, the player We said that year, a couple of years ago before we signed the deal. We're like, they are talking about the Rangers being interested. I was like, oh my God, please no. And then when San Jose gave him that massive deal, we're like, not only too long, but probably like $5 million too expensive.
0: Yeah, I just... I understand the move, why San Jose made it at the time, and they thought that they still had that upper hand in the sense of that core was still there.
1: Yeah, they just had one to the conference final. Mm-hmm.
0: But, no, I, I I think it's over for them.
1: Yeah, talking about another team that's over, again, we're going back to the Eichel situation in Buffalo. So, the new most recent news is, again, is still not letting him get the surgery that he wants, but it seems like... Uh, after Eichel fired his agent abroad and uh, Pat Brisson, that a resolution is coming pretty soon. Because according to some reports, Kevin Adams, the GM of the Sabres, has reached out to interested teams and said, give me your final best offer and we'll make a decision soon. So it looks like probably before the start, potentially before the start of the season, there might be a move done. But I would assume by the end of this month that Eichel is going to be traded Um, the teams interested, uh, reportedly the Rangers, the Flyers, the Flames, the Ducks, uh, and the Kings. So maybe there's a dark horse in there, who knows? Um, but fine, like good for Jack, like one, to get out of that situation, and two, to finally just be able to make a choice, a health choice for yourself in terms of getting the back surgery that you want. Like, this is the rest of your life not only just your hockey career like he wants to be able to play for his fucking kids when he's done playing hockey and he thinks having this disc replacement surgery is better than a fusion surgery and for buffalo to say no fuck you we don't want you getting it because we think what's what's best for you is looking at it from what can we do to get you healed so we can get the most value for you in a trade and i think that's really fucked up and that that's really going to set back the organization in terms of players wanting to go there. Um, well, big
0: time. I think yeah. Kevin Adams has completely dropped the ball here. And I mean, we can go off the past years of the organization, but just the past two years alone, uh, this guy has completely brought this place to a completely different level. I, yeah. You're not going to sign anybody. Nobody wants to go there. That trust between, player in gm or team is completely gone now yeah there's I wouldn't no trust them. To that. no absolutely not and now you're looking at it like buffalo currently at 63 8 on the caps so they have seventeen six available so they're just above the floor at 60.2 and i don't think they're going to use any of the projected cap space in the sense of no one absolutely no one is going to want to go there they're going to have to rebuild this team through Rasmus Dalim in these new picks, they they just end up getting the number one overall pick in Owen Power. Uh
1: But you like, know what is interesting about the Dalim deal? He took a short term deal.
0: I, I agree. And I think that's another way for him to kind of just like we'll Get out of see there. what ends up happening. Yeah. I just I don't know at what point it like We've heard other people talk about it. Uh, I've heard Spint and Chiklis talk about it. I've heard Miss Curfew talk about it, where there's been times where you feel pressure by the GM and the team doctor, and you go and you take a surgery just to kind of bounce back.
1: Yeah. This is more than you just a You don't want to rock surgery. the boat. Yeah.
0: This is more than just that. And I think me and you can both agree. I think that Jack Eichel – He's not Connor McDavid, but he's a generational talent. You don't just stumble across a jack. Yeah, when
1: he's healthy, he's a top 10 player in the league. Like, player, not center. Like, you can build around Eichel and win a Stanley Cup if he's in the right situation.
0: Correct. And now that this team is going to tell him how he should take care of his body, how all these, like, few, like at what point does it not become team versus player, and it's just whatever's in the player's best interest. Like, to well, me, I that's just think, like, that's the crazy part.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to take care of your, your guys, right? Yeah. Not only for the current guys, but for your reputation. If Mika Zibanejad was in the same situation and had a neck issue, and the team, the Rangers said, oh, well, we, just because we have so much invested in you, we would like you to go with the surgery that's been proven. And Zibanejad says... I prefer this one because of the long-term benefits that I might get compared to the fusion surgery. For the most part, there might be a language added to the contract, like a renegotiation to cover certain Mm -hmm. uh, negative outlooks. But I feel like the Ranger organization, like say what you want about Dolan now starting to get more involved, but I think the Rangers, the Bruins are there as well. Um, the Golden Knights have proven it so far in the league. There are a handful of others. Those are organizations that take care of their guys. Yeah. And that's how the normal situation, I feel like, would work out. Like, they, would, okay, instead of causing a rift, instead of causing a problem, instead of causing a division in the locker room, we'll let you get to surgery. There might be a compromise on who performs the surgery. There might be a compromise on language and a contract. But there's a compromise. I've never seen as much as I can remember because I had plenty of time on my 10 hour flight to think about it. Team basically refusing to let their play, star player, their franchise or their captain at the medical treatment. And he staunchly prefers at all. Like there was no negotiation. There was no talk about even offsetting language, nothing. They're just like, Nope, either do what we want or you're going to have a fucked up neck for next year. Like this guy's been in neck pain every day, severe neck pain, debilitating. For months and months and months now because the Sabres refuse to let him get a treatment. I don't get it.
0: And, and the other crazy part about it, too, is throughout the summer, at least originally, we were hearing about the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. Who's in on it? Who, who's getting Jack? So on and so forth. And now it's gotten so ugly that teams are saying we're not doing anything without his medical records. Not Nothing yep. at and, all. Like, we're not even... Sh- shared it. Yeah, they had to at that point, because it's like, yeah. how is it this bad? H- how is it he's on one side of the fence and you're on the complete other? Like like you said, it's not like you're both climbing the same time and one got to the top a little bit quicker. This was a complete and utter shitshow between the two of them.
1: And, yeah, and apparently when he looked at the medical records, according to The Athletic, most teams and team doctors looked at it and they're like, Yeah, we're comfortable that he'd be okay long-term. Like, he'll recover from it.
0: I just, like, with the Olympics and everything coming up, if I'm Gary Bettman, listen, the the NHL usually does not bend to the Olympics. We've seen that in the past. They finally did this year. We have the Olympic break set up. Jack Eichel possibly, I mean, I I think Patrick Kane would have been your captain, but I think Jack would have been the 1B. And it's like... Gary Bettman, I'm surprised, didn't call Kevin Adams or the owner of the Buffalo Sabers, fly into town for the day and say, "What the fuck is going on?" Out. Like, yeah, like something needs to give here because you're holding back this whole operation.
1: Uh, really quickly, speaking of Team USA, how about Stan Bowman announcing some of the picks for the roster? You have an abundance of Richard uh, riches, and right-hand shot defensemen for Team USA to choose from. And Fox is an option there. Plenty of guys. Steph Jones is his pick. Hey, from the Blackhawks, who would have thought? Like, what a fucking joke. Um, but anyway, back to Eichel. Re- prediction time. Where-, where is he playing on opening night? I've- the trade's going to happen long before then. But opening night 2022, where is he playing? My two guesses... Actually,
0: no, you know what? I'm going to say two guesses. I-, I was originally really high on the Kings. I-, I thought the Kings had a really good chance at him. I don't think the Kings want them. I think the Kings have drafted really well, and I think they're going to need their guys to develop. And I think this year is a huge, crucial point for them to get to that next level as an organization. You know, these kids start playing together, see what happens. If this was the Kings currently in about two years where they could kind of see which one of their prospects were taking the leaps and things like that. I think then they'd probably be your prime trade target. I think where they're going to go is Calgary. I, I see oh, okay. the Johnny Gaudreau possibly going to Buffalo. I, I see a lot of things that could possibly exchange hands here. Calgary is one of those teams that has needed a guy. Um, you oh, know,
1: hand,
0: ain't that? <laughs> I, I think Sean Monahan's good. I don't think he's Jack Eichel. Yeah, but but I but I don't see Sean Monahan going back. I see Sean Monahan staying in Calgary. I think Jack goes up there. I think Jack Kachuk. Monahan kind of changes your output a little bit, a little different bit Michael of a look. McDavid, huh? I, I think that would uh, spice up the battle of Alberta a little bit, no?
1: Yeah, well, I want to stay within the same division. And I know if, you're, if you have limited resources, this team should probably focus on fixing their back end a little bit. But I feel like they're in a position where it's Jack Eichel. If he's healthy, even if he's 80% of what he was before his neck treatment, He's still a top 10 center. Um, I have him going and playing alongside Pedersen in Vancouver.
0: Really? Okay. And, I mean, th- there's plenty of cap space there. They definitely brought in a whole
1: bunch of uh,
0: assets. So y- y- I see
1: y- Hovac going to Buffalo as the lead of the package. Okay. So, I think Eichel goes to Vancouver. Sneaky Dark Horse. Well, I know they're reportedly in on it. Philly as a... As a 1A for me, but I think Vancouver is going to sneak in somehow. I'm probably going to be wrong, but if it happens, you heard it here first. <laughs> it. They always go back to that. That's all. <laughs> uh, Benchadamas. <laughs> um, and last thing before we get into our predictions, uh, Robin Leonard, uh, we've talked about it before with his campaigning and advocacy for player rights, especially mental health conditions. For organizations and how the NHL handles it, no issue there. My issue was from his recent comments about Elaine Vigneault and the Flyers organization. One, he's never played for the Flyers. Two, he's never played for Elaine Vigneault. And to start calling, like it looked like it's getting to a point where he was. He even admitted I was frustrated, so I wanted to come out with these accusations so we can refocus on. Making sure blank 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 doesn't happen anymore. I really feel like, especially in this league, that's the wrong way to go about it. Like, first of all, you're going to throw Av under the bus. Av's—I don't think anybody's a bad thing to say about him as a coach ever, for the most part. Um, and start shit talking other organizations. I just don't like the throwing dirty laundry out in public without it being verifiable and without it you being there firsthand to experience it and talking on hearsay just to get attention, whether it's for a good reason or not. I just don't like the approach there. And when that all came out, I kind of looked at it as like a very selfish way to go about it because now he's trying to, it almost comes off like only I can change this league for the better and no one's paying attention to me. So let me just say outrageous shit. So people give me attention again, and then I can talk about what I want to talk about. And for a week there in Vegas, the talk wasn't about the upcoming season. It wasn't this Stanley Cup pursuit. It was about Robin Leonard's personal crusade. And I think in a room like that, even if he's respected, that dings him a little bit.
0: Yeah, that Robin Leonard thing, it started with spit and chicklets that week. And I don't want to say I was surprised as to how open he was about everything. But I was very surprised about it. It just seemed that even after that, it continued with the Twitter rampage. And like you said, now going after Elaine Vigno, a coach that he's never even played for. And, yeah. you know, Robin Leonard discussed when he had hit free agency that year, he ended up going to a team, did not say who it was. They went for an interview and basically – The coach was there the whole time, did not state who the coach was, just stated that that coach is an absolute piece of shit and is still in the league. And he basically, instead of asking how Robin Leonard was, went and basically attacked him the whole way through. Now, he said his time with Long Island with Lou. He went there. He had a great dinner. They talked about everything but hockey, friends, family, relationships. And then after that, they said they ended up talking and, uh, you know, he knew it was a good place to sign there. He ends up coming out afterwards with all of his mental health stuff. They all accepted him. Okay, he loves the Islanders fans. He got a tattoo of Long Island on him. I mean, I think that shows appreciation. I Like you said, I think for his mental advocacy, he's done great. We'll get to Carey Price next because we're already on this guy. But. To go on topic, while still a player in this league, because I think that's the other part, too. It's not like he's retired. He's still a starting goaltender in this league. To go after another team's head coach the way that he did, yeah, I I don't want to say it's unforgivable. I just think that for a guy you never played for, I don't think you should make those accusations. I, I think if it's an ex-player of his, okay. But I, I don't think coming from you it's good, because what he's saying with prescribing painkillers and sleeping aids and all this yeah, that's that doesn't come down that doesn't come down to a head coach that comes down yeah. to an athletic trainer that comes down to a team doctor that comes down to what does a head coach know what does a team gm know what do the owners know and that I think is the thing that is scary in Sean Avery's book Uh, He said at one point he was playing with the Rangers. He took a puck in the face, had a broken nose, had to fly back to New York for something. And the athletic trainer in New York, uh, I believe he said, gave him two Percocets. Yeah. One was for that night of the game that it had happened. And one was for the next day for his travel day. And Avery said, I can't tell you as to how bullshit I was, that the pain I was in and I was going to be flying, going to different pressures and everything else. And all he could hand me out was two fucking Percocets. And now if Robin Leonard's going to the point of, you know the Rangers are doing it right, they're protecting their players, they don't want any opioid addiction. But now you're saying the Flyers aren't? Well, AV was with the Rangers, AV yeah. was with the Canucks, so it's like, yeah. where does it end? Where did it begin? Like, I think this is a whole dark hole the NHL does not want to have to go into. Chuck Fletcher, I think that's the, Fly- the whole
1: point of why he did it because he knows the NHL doesn't want bad PR, even if it's not true, they don't want to deal with it, so they quickly called him to try, like, well. What would make you happy how how would you like things to change what programs do you want they shut him up and that's what i mean about it being like very very selfish and self-directed because it, instead of it being about the cause it suddenly became about him and what he wanted
0: it makes you wonder if av was that coach when you know he had come out on chicklets you know just this new thing um and by the way say- he
1: called av a dinosaur and av's response was like that part of the same and i'm not disputing the drug stuff i have no idea what he's talking about
0: <laughs> yeah i know uh chuck fletcher came out with a statement too saying anything that is prescribed or anything else you know none of that is to his knowledge we do the best we can as a uh, organization to take care of our players but yeah. giving them medications is not what we're looking at so uh, i think on that end yeah i mean hopefully this will quiet it up a little bit but I mean, yeah, that situation could have got very ugly and very out of control rather quickly.
1: And unnecessarily too. So yeah, support support the original cause, obviously and support the overall goal of making sure guys, if they like are having trouble, whether it's physically, mentally, with addiction, they get taken care of, they don't get stigmatized, they're welcome back into the room and the organization, but it's got to be about that and not about individual people. That's my closing thought on that. But, uh, all right. To get into the nitty-gritty of it. Time for our division predictions. So, again, we're not going to be doing team-by-team previews. It's going to be 1-8, through uh, where we think the division is going to finish at the end of the regular season. And our next episode will be uh, playoff predictions and then award predictions and random little kind of yearbook awards of Who's going to score the most goals this year? Who's going to be the first coach fight, Things like that. Um, so I think to kick off, as always, we can start out west. Uh, let's start with the Pacific Division. Uh, do you want to go first, one through eight, or you want me to run through mine?
0: You fire away on this one first.
1: All right. So this division, I think, is vastly overrated. Um, I know everybody is still kissing Vegas' ass. I don't think they're as good as everybody thinks they are, but... They're still the best of their division. I think Edmonton shot themselves in the foot by going with Mike Smith and goal again. I still think they have enough to be a really good regular season team. But when it comes to playoffs, we'll see what happens there. But my one through eight for the Pacific Division is Vegas first, Edmonton second, the Canucks third, the Kings fourth, the Flames fifth, the Kraken sixth, and then the bottom feeders, San Jose seventh and Anaheim eighth.
0: See, I'm pretty close there. I I don't know where I ranked the Canucks. I don't know if I would have them in that fourth spot or not. But, yeah, I I have Vegas, Edmonton. Maybe Flames and Canucks flip-flop there. I think the Kings are just out of it. I, I think after what we saw from Seattle in... Free agency, not the expansion draft. I, I think that team has come together pretty good, and I think they're going to have a really good year. I, I think the Kraken is going to be a really good year, and for them, for a team that is going to be in a division where they can get away with a lot in the sense yeah, it's of. It's kind of open. It's open. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Kraken actually make the playoffs this year.
1: Yeah, they have fantastic goaltending, mm-hmm. they have really solid, deep defense core. It's just their photo group that I'm still not sold on. And you know, say that about Vegas, when they first started and were you proven wrong, maybe it's just guys that need to get the opportunity to be top six guys and finally show they can be top six guys. But to start off the year, that's the only thing holding me back for Seattle is I don't know if they can compete over an 82-game season offensively with a team like Edmonton or a team like Colorado and Winnipeg and be able to go toe-to-toe with those guys.
0: Yeah, like I said, they luck out that that division is not There's
1: basically basically one and a half good teams, not division.
0: One and a half, I like that (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I got the Ducks and then I got uh, I'm sorry, yeah I have the Ducks and then I have the Sharks and the last in that division I know they still have the talent, I just think that everyone there is going to be checked out, I just don't see the oomph coming from them so I, I got them in the bottom there
1: Okay. Yeah, I feel like San Jose and Anaheim are pretty interchangeable, both mm-hmm. bottom feeders but both heading in different directions. San Jose is still finding where rock bottom is, and Anaheim just is starting to climb out of it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, Anaheim's starting to transition. They're they're a lot younger. They still got Gibson and net, so we'll see. I mean, who knows? John Gibson's a hell of a goalie. You, you never know if he'll be able to sneak him into that last spot there in the fourth place.
1: And they're never going to really turn it around until they go back to the uh, eggplant jerseys. Hmm. Um, sticking out West again, we'll move to the central division, uh, welcoming Arizona to the central. Apparently this is, as I predicted long ago, I feel like that's just a precursor until they move to Houston. But anyway, um, my one through eight, I have Colorado winning division. They will also win a president's trophy for the regular season. Um, I have Winnipeg second. I'm really high in them this year, especially with the additions on defensive Dylan and Schmidt to go with Morrissey and even Neil Pionk. I think
0: that uh, puts them close to a Stanley Cup.
1: Yeah, and they were able to keep on a cheap uh, Dylan DeMeo, so that helps on a third pair. So I'm really high on Winnipeg this year. Um, St. Louis third. I like the Bucinevi tradition. I think that helps. It sounds like Tarasenko. He's like, hey, if I'm here, I'm here 100%. Like, I'm not going to sulk. I'm not going to force my way out. If I'm here, I'm here. So I think that forward depth, they brought in Hoffman for the power play. They just signed James Neal from his PTO today, who's going to be on a line with Tarasenko and Robert Thomas. And a
0: great addition, to James Neal could put the puck in the net.
1: And he's one of the rare guys in this roster that can use his size to go to the front of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like St. Louis, a little bit of bounce back. I still think they had lost a lot by going from Petrangelo to Torrey Krug And I'm still not sold on Bennington being anything more than an average goalie. They had a nice playoff run. Um, Fourth place, I have Chicago. I'm all in on the Kane and Taves renaissance with the young guns up front and the Flower backstopping them for at least one more year. I think Fleury's got one good year left in them. Um, So I have them fourth. I have Minnesota fifth. I have disappointing Dallas in sixth. I don't think their defense is as and goaltending are as good as it used to be, and they still haven't fixed their offense. And then have Nashville seventh and the Coyotes eighth.
0: I have the same thing, except I have Nashville and Dallas flip flopped. Okay.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I think Chicago is going to be a team to watch this year. The, all the additions that they made, like you said, they bring in Flurry and net, uh, the big trade for Seth Jones. I think this is a year for Chicago. If they're going to win a Stanley cup, this is the year Th- this is like their one and done chance. Cause <laughs> if flurry leaves, I don't think they have the same chance that they did. So I-, I think if Chicago needs to be all in, it's this year. Uh, I'm going to be very surprised to see what to get from the wild this year. I like the additions. I, I like where that roster's at. Uh, I think the kids are finally transitioning into bigger roles. Greenway, Dumba, uh, Now that you take Suter and Parisi off the books, it's like, hmm.
1: Even though Suter was still good, like, I get to Parisi buyout. I'm still not sure why they needed to get rid of Suter. I still think he was a good top four leader, uh, defenseman and leader. So not sure that that helps them overall. That's where I started seeing issues there. And I like Talbot, former Ranger. I don't... He strikes me as this guys, he's just inconsistent. So he had a good year last year. Who knows what he got from him this year? And I, I think the most overrated player in the entire fucking league is off
0: oh, I thought you were going to say Eriksson Ek. I was going to say, I, I think he's okay,
1: but... <laughs> like, I think he's so... over. Um, he's talented. I don't think he's a franchise forward. I don't think he's a good two-way forward. I think he's a one-trick pony. And he signed, what was it, a five-year deal, right?
0: Yes. Yep.
1: And I told you, by the end of year three, he's going to be back in Russia. That, that was my hot, hot take on that deal. Like I think he's just so overrated because Minnesota was so boring for so long that they finally got a guy who can make some highlight real plays. and Everybody's like, holy shit, he's Taval Bore.
0: Now, a question that I, I was asked the other day, and I heard it was asked on other podcasts, is do you think the Colorado Avalanche could have a Hart Trophy winner, a Norris Trophy winner, and a Calder winner in McKinnon, McCarr, and Bo Byram.
1: I could see two of them happening. I don't think Bo Byron is going to be the top rookie. Like, he's a, he's going to be in a running. I just don't see him as the rookie of the year. Unless he's unless somehow he ends up on that first pair of McCarr and then just, like, jumps into that role and grows into it, then I can potentially see him, because then he'll start picking up some points Playing with McCart as well, I just don't see him there yet.
0: Just although on a
1: point apparently, point. like he makes his debut and everybody wants to fucking fight him. Like kids just play, doing his role in front of the net. Everybody's dropping a glove, so apparently he's doing something right.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he's sticking to his game, not changing. <laughs> so so that's good. Um, like you said with Winnipeg too, I really like Winnipeg this year. I think that could be a, I think that could be a Stanley Cup winning team, especially when it comes to depth at the end of the year, where you got to be a little bit and bigger. A little bit stronger, a little bit more nasty. Go, going through the uh, the White North there.
1: And Schaefer just got to keep his head on his shoulders.
0: Well, yeah, exactly. Shifley just can't kill anybody, and he'll
1: be fine. <laughs> um, moving east, we'll go with my boys first, the Metropolitan Division. What a um, fucking
0: division though to pick, huh?
1: Yeah, like you can pretty much you can see seven of the eight teams winning the division yeah. if everything sure. went right for that team. Mm-hmm. Um. So the order I think this was the hardest order to pick because you can talk yourself into anybody being leapfrogging this team and then this team falling down. I promised myself that when I saved this on my phone, I wouldn't make any more edits. And then of course Crosby had to come back to practice today, like two That's months earlier than Ruined I expected. everything. And I'm like, Okay, so if he's back by the time like the first week of the season, that kinda changes things for him, even though Malkin's gonna be out a while. I was I, like, I thought Malcolm was going to be out, and I thought Crosby was going to be out for two months of the year, and now he's already back at practice. I'm like, motherfucker. But I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to show some conviction at some point all of time it's going to not to start slowing down Sid the, the kid, and I think this is the year where it's going to start. All right. Anyway. I, had,
0: I had him hitting him last year, so I, I was wrong <laughs> <Yeah>. last
1: year. <laughs> um, so my one through eight, I have the Islanders winning the division.
0: Me too. Okay.
1: I have Carolina finishing second. Okay. Even though they lost Diggy Hamilton, I think their defense core is going to take a big step back. Even though I like Slavin and Pesci, I think they're not as good. They're not guys who carry your defense core. Nope. I, I like the Anderson, even though the poor, poor fella uh, with his current injury. Um, I think he's a massive upgrade over Peter Morazic. Oh, huge. Like, huge. Like, I know Morazic has his moments, but. Freddie Anderson is a solid number one goaltender. Peter Morazic is a decent 1A. So I think that's a good swap there for Carolina. So I've been finishing second. I have the New York Rangers finishing third. I keep looking at this roster and keep looking for holes. Yes, some of the young guys might not pop off. But you look at Shesterkin and goal, I think he's ready. You look at the defense core, you have the Norris Trophy winner. You have Jacob Jacob Truba on your second pair. You have a Salah veteran of Patrick Nemeth on your third. You have Andre Miller, Ryan Lindgren. You have a bunch of kids in Harford that this preseason made it difficult. If Zach Jones and uh, Brandon Schneider should have been on his team if there were spots. And they're starting off in Harford. So you have depth there. Up front, you have the first line of Lafreniere, Sibanejad, and Kreider. Kreider is going to the right wing for the first time in his career, but he says it doesn't matter. Your second line, Panarin, Strom, and Kako. Third line is Goodrow, Hedl, and Vitali Krasov. And then your fourth line is Sammy Blay, who's had a really good preseason. Uh, Morgan Barron or Kevin Rooney as your 4C. And then Ryan Reeves on that fourth line. He's not going to meet every game player, so then you'll probably have the majority of the season is Blay, Rooney, and Barron as your fourth line. Three big, fast fourth line penalty killers. The best fourth line arrangers have had since the Brandon Proust days, I think. So you keep looking at this, and then you have to lump the bench. Like, there really isn't an issue. The only issue I could see is if, for some reason, Kako and Heedle don't develop for another season. Then you start questioning things there in terms of depth. But Kako hey, has come into camp, and in preseason, he is extre- much, so much faster than he was in his first few years. Like, it's noticeable. Like, he's pulling away from guys and creating breakaways just on his speed. That never happened. Um, his two-way game developed last year. So I see him on the right side with Panarin to show him he's going to rack up some points. Lafreniere is... or Okay, I'm going to preface this by saying it might not show up in a point total this season, but Lafreniere is already the best forward the Rangers have through this preseason on the, on a the roster. Better than Sabanajad overall, better than Panarin overall. He's going to have a monster year. I think he's you're looking at 25, 30 goals... 40 50 assists. Like he's been a monster in training camp and preseason. That's my big prediction for the Rangers is Lafreniere has a year like that. So I, that's why I have him finishing third. And that, I know there's a mini season preview. Uh, I have the Devils fourth. I'm buying in. I like the uh, addition of Hamilton. I think Hughes is going to take a step forward. They have some good young players up front. I have Washington finally starting that slow age decline, having him finishing fifth. Competing for a wild card spot, I have Pittsburgh sixth. I'm in that same boat, not too far out of the playoffs. Philly seventh. I still don't buy in to their forward group being Talented enough, some guys are on a decline, like Giroux um, and Atkinson. And then on the back end, I still don't like the Crystal Linen trade, where he's going to get top four minutes. And I'm still not sold on Carter Hart. And if he and if he falters again, they're turning to Martin Jones. Complete shit show. Um, And the last place, the Blue Jackets, through no fault of their own, kind of in a quasi-rebuild, and somebody's got to finish last in this division.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately someone has to finish last. (laughs) Uh, I'm with you. I have the Isles first. I, I just think that team is built to win. It's built to win now, I think. For them to not win a Stanley Cup this year would be... A, a huge upset for that team, for those fans. I just think they're finally built. They, they have it all every which way. The cap's working for them this year. like Everything is in that team's favor. New arena. New arena going up. Like I think this is the time for that team to win if there's ever been one. Uh, I have the caps in second. The biggest okay. question mark for me is their goaltending. Is it going to be... Yeah. What it's supposed to be, Samsonov, was questionable last year. Is Vitek Vanacek going to be the same backup that he was last year? Like, Just questions there, but I, I still find it hard with that core that they have that they're going to have that much of a fall off.
1: They're just another year older, and somebody's... my reasoning is they're not going to suck. They're not going to create art. They're going to be competing for the playoff spot, but they're another year older, and the te- other teams in the division are another year better. That's
0: kind of my mindset. Oh, no, no I, I get that. I'm just it, – it's hard for me to just see them completely going down. Uh, one person I've been very surprised with them this preseason, if Gene Kuznetsov, for a guy that we all thought was going somewhere. Yeah. He actually looks like – I think he finally woke up and was like, fuck, they'll send me back to Mother Russia, so I need to get my <laughs> He got on. the message. Yeah, so I think he got the message there. <laughs> um, third. The third, I had – Oh, there we go. Sorry, my my thing scrolled up on me. I still had the Pittsburgh Penguins there. It was hard for me to... I don't like the team. I don't like anything, but I I just don't think at this point I can bet against Sid and Malkin. Just Yeah, that's how I was with the
1: Patriots every year. I'm like, I'm totally proven otherwise. (laughs) That's just... Yeah, that's the way I feel about
0: them. Fourth, I have the New York Rangers. I, I, like you said, I think it's hard to find a hole in that lineup and with all those kids that actually played last year. It's not like la where this is the first year and we'll see what next year brings i think they all have an extra year development under their belts like you said lafreniere looks really good we've seen them in a couple of preseason games i think we're finally going to hit that jump for that team coming into fifth i have the philadelphia flyers i think they're finally getting there i think the additions to the lineup, up I, I like ryan ellis there yeah, I I, huh? I like Ristline and like you said though. What are you getting from that goaltending? That is that's the biggest question mark. This team could be first or last in this division just based on that. Uh, going into sixth, I have the Hurricanes. I think they lost too much for them to be there. But uh, like you said, the addition of Frederick Anderson changes that whole thing. And the other part too is Rob Rendemore is a coach that you want to play for. Yeah. So I think that that makes them. Uh, probably a dark horse in that sense where I don't know if any other coach it, could make you want to run through a wall for him every day. Like I, I think there's players coaches, but I think that that's the guy that will make
1: you jump up another step. I have the depth. I say this division? Oh, it's a nightmare. It, it's this a nightmare. This division with the best coaches in the league because I know you have Cooper and Quenville in, the other, in your division, but you have Trox, you have Brindamore, you have Gallant, you have Laviolette, you have Mike Sullivan, you have Elaine Vigneault. Like yeah. one through eight, are probably the best coaching in the, in the league, division wise.
0: Yeah, I think it's. I, I I don't like your division. I wouldn't want to play in it. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, going into seventh, I have the Devils. I, I know okay. you had them in a different place. I bought into them last year, and more, yeah, they got they, burned. I got burned, so I'm not going into the fire. I don't get me wrong. I think Tom Fitzgerald has made a lot of really good moves here. I can see this team doing a lot better, but I'm not betting for them until they prove me right.
1: So that that's all right. Just so the opposite why. of the Penguins.
0: Yeah. So so that's exactly why it is that that's why I have them there. But no, I I think they're a very good team. I said that last year. I think, but last year I said they're a very good team on paper, and then they proved me very wrong. Uh, yeah. Uh, I do think Lindy Ruff though is going to. Bring them a lot better defensively. They'll, they'll be a lot better defensively, a lot harder to play against. I think Miles Wood is going to have a huge year for them. I think Nico here now that he's finally healthy, is going to have a big year for them too. And Jack Hughes, I mean, he might only be five foot four man, but his dick's about six two. <laughs> like that, that kid can play. So uh, I'm going to see. And he put on some have.
1: weight. He he looks even. Uh... Even thicker
0: this preseason, so. Yeah, and I, I think having Ty Smith another year in the league is going to yeah. be good for him. He, he's a really good up and coming defenseman. And then, like you said, the Blue Jackets, um, tough that tough year for them. Just kind of a little bit of a max exodus from Columbus there. But I do think that Yarmo Kikalelin did good in bringing in the talent. What he got back from the Seth Jones deal. I think he did very well there. Honey, I think
1: Wierenski to that extension, Worenski,
0: Jake bean. I, I think that yeah. he is still, he's still working. It's not like he's checked out. So I do think yeah. that, uh,
1: for a last place team, they're not going to be, they're not going to suck. They just are going to finish last. Yeah.
0: Ju- just in that division. I think yeah. in a different
1: division, they would, they would be a lot better. Like if they were in the Pacific, I would have them finishing like second or third. Yeah. Agreed. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. W- wrapping up with your boys in the Atlantic division. Um, I feel like our top four, well, I feel like our one through 8 on this one is going to be almost exactly the same. But we'll see where you have the Bruins, because I know you're usually more pessimistic about them than most. Um, but first place, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. I think even with the losses uh, on their, in their forward group, some of the young guys are ready to set up. Ross Colton, Matthew Joseph, I think those guys are ready to kind of fill that hole. And I think they're just too talented to just slip, down a standings one or two spots over the course of a regular season seven game playoff series some of these teams would be some good competition but a regular season I still think they' a the class of it second place they had the Florida Panthers yep I think they're ready they're ready to do this Quenville's there low key keeping a low profile down in South Florida but I think with the additions they've made you have Barkoff, obviously one 1c one um, you have Reinhardt Probably for the most part, centering in the second line uh, with Huberdeau on his wing, and that allows Barkov to keep elevating the game of Duclair and Verhage. Their defense core: Ekblad's back, Uyghurs there. I love the guys they have an their back end. And I mean, you still have Bobrovsky back there. You don't know what you're going to get from him, but even if he falters, Uyghurs not there anymore. But you have your top prospect in Spencer Knight, and I'm also really excited to see what. Uh, tip of uh provides them this year mm-hmm. um third place I have the Toronto Maple Leafs again, I think just too talented there is a drop off in goal i I'm not sold on Jack Campbell and Pumarazik, but I think you have muslin coming back healthy, and all summer there's just been a different vibe in terms of the guys that have suffered through the playoff disappointments where every time that occurred their response was did it we'll learn from this, we'll grow, we'll come back next year. Now this summer and training camp, the coach are more along the lines of we're tired of losing. We're not going to, like, last year is, was not a growth opportunity. Last year was a disappointment. Like, I feel like the mentality changed, and it's a bit more of an edge and a more of a we're not going to let this happen to us again vibe with that team. So I've had them finishing third. I have the Sabres finishing fourth. No, just kidding. I have the, Bru- <laughs> I have the Bruins finishing fourth. I just think steady, consistent. Who knows what you have in goal this year. I'm not saying that you guys are going to get shit goaltending, but going from Tuca to Omar and Swayman might be a little bit of a drop-off. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think you guys are missing one, one top four guy on your back end. Um, and then we'll see what you get from your third and fourth lines this year because this is probably the softest I've seen it in a while um montreal fifth ottawa sixth detroit seventh buffalo eighth i know you probably have ottawa winning the division uh, ottawa one <laughs> um
0: no so i had tampa and florida in the same spots as you i, I agree i think tampa some of those younger guys are ready to take over uh, i do think over the course of like I said, a seven game series, they're not gonna be as deep as they were now that they're missing Johnson and Goudreau. Like I, I do think that's a hole there for them. So I do not have them winning the Stanley Cup this year, not going back to back to back. Um Florida, yeah, I, I like that team. I like the way they're set up. They're ready to win. I, I think some huge acquisitions. I mean Joe Thornton going to Toronto. I didn't think anything of it. Joe Thornton going to Florida. I really like him there. Like him playing that role. uh Aaron Ekblad is back. He's healthy. They brought back Montour. Weger. They got Nudavara.
1: I love that Montour. Keep. Oh,
0: I, I think that's huge for them. And then, like you said, I, I think Bob is there, but th- they got Spencer Knight, the cake eater, ready to take over. And I think that kid is going to do a, a lot of good. Um Number three, I have the Bruins. I just can't see the Maple Leafs being better than them. Uh, Toronto played (laughs) in uh, not the best division last year. And, I mean, we all had certain things about the Canadian division. We we all saw it, how it kind of came falling apart. And I think the Maple Leafs actually have to play a a lot tougher of a schedule this year. They're not going to be that team they were last year. Uh, I do have Toronto in fourth yet again. I mean, they're a prove-it team to me. They, They might be able to pull the wool over some other people's eyes they're not doing it for me i i just i don't trust them uh the canadians i have them in fifth i have ottawa right behind them if not in yeah. front of them i think that ottawa once is comes back uh, i think that's going to be big another year from stutzel i think stutzel is going to be a huge breakout player this year um, i think
1: there's a chance for them to leapfrog montreal if ottawa realizes earlier than I think they will, that they need to switch from Matt Murray being their number one uh, in goal.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, they gave him that deal, I do think they're stuck with him for a little
1: while. Um, I Yeah, mean, not get rid of him, but I think they go with one of the other options, uh, Gustafson or uh, Forsberg. For, I, yeah, I think for, uh, Forsberg should get an extended look. He looked good last year. Yeah, I mean,
0: just, just looking at the lineup here, I mean, you look at their D, Shabbat, Zaitsev. I liked Artem Zub last year. I thought he played pretty good for them. Uh, I mean, they bring in Delzato. I've never been yeah. sold on Delzato. I do like Nick Holden for them, kind of just bringing in the meat there. They got Josh Brown. I love the Victor Mete pickup off a of waiver. Yeah, I, I like think that. that kid is going to be good. And then they still have Eric Brandstrom there, kind of that 7th D. If they're going to put him in the lineup or not, that, that kid has a huge sailing. And then you look up front, I mean, We've heard the stuff going on with Logan Brown as to how he wants to be shipped out somewhere else. I mean, I'm sorry, not Logan Brown, Connor Brown. But I think Batherson has another year under his belt. Brown, if he kind of looks around and sees what's there. And then they did just pick up Sanford too. They picked up Sanford. I was just about getting to Sanford. Uh, They still have Nick Paul. They have Josh Norris up front. They have Stutzla up front. They have Kachuk coming back at some point. They have Alex Formentin. Like, I really like this team. I, I just – I think – I know I know it's a growing part, but I think Pierre Dorian and the whole rebuild and what he did and how he came into it and how they're coming out of it is, I mean, probably a great – as good of a turnaround as the Columbus Blue Jackets in the sense of what is the best decision for your team and your club. That, that's what I bring it down to. Uh, I have the Red Wings in seventh there and then Buffalo just complete eighth and the last <laughs> in the NHL, it's not even close.
1: Can I, so to wrap it up, I want one more response from you. Okay. If you had a if you had to pick a rebuild where you have to choose over the next five years which team is gonna have more team success. Yeah. The Senators or the Kings?
0: Ooh. Um this is my only thing I, I think the senators right now need more pieces that would actually want to stay there for longer term okay. I think when they get Shab- uh, when you get kachuk signed it'll be kachuk Shabbat and Stutzla will be your three guys and I think that the one of the biggest things is Ottawa you hear guys talk about it the the stadium's downtown there's nothing near it yada yada yada. And then just on geography, you're like, fuck, I'm going to L.A. Like, I'm there. But I think the biggest thing with L.A., though, too, is they still have lottery tickets that need to be scratched. Yeah. Is Gabriel Velarde finally going to become that player? Don't know. Um, Arthur Kaliev, I think he's going to make a very good transition to the NHL. Is he going to be great or is he just going to be good? Yeah. don't know. Quinton Byfield, I know a lot of people have been sold on him. Uh, I know currently he just went out on IR with a accidental. injury. An accidental injury. But, like, I still have not seen him develop. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I've seen him play, but I'm not blown away. So I, I think that they really need these guys to transition and be there for me to be like, boom, LA's the spot. I think right now they have a lot of high picks with a lot of high potential.
1: Yes, what do they're, they turn they're more high-risk, high-reward than Ottawa, who's more, you know what you're getting, but it might yeah. not be as high of a high as L.A., but mm-hmm. it's not going to be as potential of a low as L.A. either.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, you look at L.A. too, I mean, we're, we haven't even got to Alex Churcott and Tyler Madden yet, you know, like, so yeah. they have a huge, huge prospect. And they're going to package
1: those for some proven guys, so.
0: Yeah, at, at some point, yeah, it's definitely going to have to switch up, so. But for right now, I would just say Ottawa. Um, but, yeah, like I said, if some of those guys actually transition and hit this year, I, I believe me, I, I think L.A. and what Rob Blake has done there, and you, you bring in a coach like McClellan, too, who has the respect and, I mean, I don't want to say scares the shit out of the kids, but, I mean, when he <laughs> talks like, hey, it's toad, like, all the time. <laughs> like, yeah, I think, I think the boys get the message and they're on their toes a little bit.
1: Well, I appreciate that one-word of response. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but, uh, all right. And like I said, next week we'll go into playoff and individual award predictions and things like that. Um, so the wrap up this week, who do you have shout outs? Uh, you, you're home. The daddy's happy.
0: <laughs> uh, no, you're back. Th- thank God. It was a long month layoff without you. Thank you for the pictures and making me jealous while I was fucking mixing cement all day. Uh, <laughs> Big shout out to Cam. He had his first day learning to play hockey today. He looked good out there. Nice, nice sturdy base. I think it might be a winger. We'll see what happens, and uh, we will go from there. How about you?
1: Uh, <laughs> personal shout out to my brother in Florida who graciously uh, watched Kobe for me while I was in Greece. Uh, she was able to spend her first her first vacation in a sunny uh, Florida weather, and she got to hang out with. My brother's two dogs, so she had fun there. Um, and it was just nice to know that she was with somebody that knows how to take care of dogs, and it wasn't going to be in a situation where I'm going to be, like, at the Acropolis, and then in the back of my mind going, I wonder if Kobe's okay. Hopefully Kobe's okay. So it's nice to be able to fully disconnect. And what uh, was her though, reaction when she first saw you? Oh, when I got, yeah, she basically... I sat down on the floor and usually she likes to kind of do her little half jump and lick your face. But her first jump was high enough where she actually flipped over my shoulder. Oh, nice. Like, yeah. <laughs> so she was excited. But I probably was more excited to see her than she was to see me. Yeah. She's like, all right, dad, it's <laughs> um, time for a nap. <laughs> but yeah, it was nice to come home to her, uh, get back into the routine, back to explore New York City with her. But on a more general shout out, well, not really a shout out, don't Know how to really preface it while I was away. The whole situation with uh Jimmy Hayes and what happened with him, and just thinking of his wife and his kids. And uh, even though they'll likely never hear this, the guys that uh missing curfew um, so real sh- real shit news to see while I was away and see how it's impacting up dog and uh Shino. So uh, I know you and I never, I don't think you met Jimmy Hayes, but I never met him. but just to see the reaction from the hockey world to the news kind of just shows you his true colors.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I met Jimmy once in passing a quick, Hey, how are you? Blah, blah. blah. I never had the interaction that the other guys do, but yeah, just hearing all the stories and everything like that. um, Huge loss for a lot of the guys around the hockey community. His wife, Kristen is an absolute rock star. Um, If you guys have Instagram, if you following, follow her raising haze, her with the two boys and, just with everything going on she seems to just be taking everything in stride and being so strong about it so hats off to her i don't know how i would react if i lost my significant other in big red and you know now i am the ultimate caregiver for the children so she looks like she's doing a uh she, just an absolute rock star so hats, hats off to her
1: yeah i just want to be able to, i know it's a few weeks past at this point but like you said, I was overseas, we weren't recording, so I wanted to take the opportunity at the end of our first show back to just at least acknowledge it. So, All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, like Benny has already prefaced
0: for us, next week we'll give you a little bit more in-depth as to certain trophies that we're going to be looking after this year, who is going to win that chalice in the stanley cup where will ben record next week like there are certain things that we just don't know but we will find out as they happen which Uh, strange woman's apartment will he log into skype from i was gonna say it is a beautiful thing when he could just go anywhere and all these things will happen so as always everybody thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you guys next week benny hit him with it first one back